And so what the Holy Ghost is promising us is that in any situation which you are in, come up to Jesus and recognize his presence, all right, in that particular situation there. And, and once the Spirit is poured out, that's what happened to David. And he began to say, I saw the Lord sitting at my right hand. They started having, their eyes were opened, all right? And their eyes were opened. And the Holy Ghost will come in and open your eyes to, to see, all right, what will come out. And you can see in the situation that this thing is going to change. And it will show you. But it will change after 18 months. However, within these 18 months, the Holy Spirit shows you that there are certain things I want to teach you. Patience. Because these are the things that are going to happen after this. Now get ready, prepare yourself. He shows you those things. And, and shows you. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, you know, we are dealing with someone that there, there's no plan. It's just what I want, I want. Right? He opens your eyes and shows you things. And what he shows you, you start saying those things. And then I start saying those things, it crystallizes in your heart. And then you see what you are supposed to do to make those things happen, all right, in the natural realm. So the order of God is, right, we go to him in this feast, all right, and we uh, go there in prayer and for any situation, and he says, no problem, pours out his spirit, his spirit comes and opens up our eyes. And then we start seeing things every day in the word of God, and it's like his breath is coming on the inside of us. And when it says man became a living soul, it means man became a conscious being. Man became another speaking spirit. Man became that dominant being. That is, the image of God entered into that man. So the image of God comes in. The consciousness of dominion. That's why the men, the spirit came into them. They were threatened and they were in fear. They went to pray. The Holy Ghost came in, raised their consciousness up. And then they started speaking the word with all boldness. And then as they went out, there was a demonstration, all right, of the Spirit of God within their lives. And that's the order that God wants his people uh, to follow, okay? The order thereof, making sure they keep the feast of um, Passover there, making sure that their hearts, let me, you know, what I found out, let me just say this, what I found out about people is, if, if you are in a competitive environment, okay, which, which is, is so, all right, I mean, in Lagos is a competitive city, all right, you, you, have, you have few genuine friends. So you are in a very competitive environment. And so, what I have seen, which was what Isaac said. He said, God has made room for us, we shall be glad. Now, now, once you get into a competitive environment, what happens is people compete. So, so you know, if someone does everybody does his own, and so it's competitive. Now, so, what, what we, and, and if you're not careful, all right, if, if look, let's, let's assume, and, and I had a friend, this happened to the friend, and I knew he got affected by it. He had a good heart. He invited somebody to their house. And the wife of this, his friend, just entered. And the first thing she said was, oh, well, our kitchen in our house is bigger than your kitchen. Now, I mean, the guy was, what? All right? But you see, that thing plants a seed into you that you now, when you go to their own house, that thing might come out and say, 
uh, all right, our own gas cooker is bigger than yours. You know, you know, now you might not voice it out, but a seed has been planted. I'm just trying to say that if you come in contact with competitive people, you can get competitive without you knowing, which means you aren't thinking about it until that seed was sown on the inside of you. Now, so if you're in an environment where people are very competitive there, all right, then what you do is that you make sure, all right, everything that, that, everything that, that people will wish for in their competitive spirit, pray it for them, okay? So if you say, this one, one pray it for them, pray, 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 pray for them, pray for them, pray for them, just pray, all right, okay, just pray, pray the, you know, what you, you can imagine will happen to you that you will consider as being blessed. Pray all your own imagination into their lives. You know what happens? God opens a door for you that you aren't thinking about. What you were not planning, which means it, it wasn't, it, 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 it's just like saying that you're in an environment, people are very competitive in an office, everybody's competing, um, competing. It's, it's just like saying that um, 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 everybody's competing. Let's say there, there's a position that people really like where they travel out of the country and everybody wants that, that thing there. And you, are, you, don't, you don't even ask it for your own self. All right? You are praying that God will bless one of these people around me with this thing and open up doors for them. What happens is you get into the creative realm where the company now says that, you know, we had never, I mean, there was someone who, a family friend was telling me of this kind of experience where they opened the door for that person to get a job working with the United States government, which means you'll be working with the government of the United States on behalf of that organization representing Nigeria and having access to government officials. I mean, it's not what is part of, if you are looking at the entire diagram, it's just an opportunity that came into that organization and said, who do we want? So, you know, it's almost like what no man's eye has seen, no man's ear heard, the heart of no man has conceived, God has prepared. So the one eyes can see, ears can hear, and hearts can conceive, pray it, because that's what people are fighting over. People don't fight over the creative, they fight over what they can see. You, nobody was fighting, all right, to have an iPod if there was no idea of an iPod. Are you, you understand? You'll be fighting over CDs to make sure that the greatest distributor of CDs, then somebody comes out and makes the entire CD industry irrelevant. Then you start competing for that iPod because competitors are like that. Then what God does, he opens up the creative plane again and turns that. So what happens is, right, when we start getting going, just pray everything. God, you know, this is what they want, pray everything for them. All right? And then you just allow the Holy Ghost. And this how, that's why, that's why that Passover feast is so important. All right? I mean, you go and read it in James. That's what he was saying. He said, I've given you the former rain. He said, the latter rain is coming. The latter rain is the rain for harvest. The former rain is the rain for the first fruits. The former rain is the Pentecost. The latter rain is that feast of harvest. But he said, go and read it. He said that have no grudge in your heart against anybody, for the judge standeth at the door. 
He said, go and look at Job as an example of a person with patience. After he had endured, the Bible says that we consider them blessed, right? Which means people are envious. That's what that word means. Because he said, but what brought the turnaround for Job? Which means what Satan was really trying to do in the heart of is develop a grudge against these people. Once that grudge comes, then that door, all right, which is that door that we are opening up, right, by rejoicing and the gates you are opening up, that gate now, he says, you, you shut that gate from Jesus from coming in with, with unforgiveness yeah, inside your spirit there. So he says, exercise yourself, okay, to that. And when you exercise yourself and, and make sure, right, okay, you, you, you pray and, and you pray for others and make sure there's no guile. And I've, I've seen that in that state, God just shows up and just God just begins to open up doors and just begins to open up relationships. Nobody competes, competed with Jesus who was in competition just about being priest after the order of Melchizedek. What they were competing about was the Pharisees, that these people that used to come to synagogue are going for his meetings. That's what they were fighting over. But they didn't even know that there was a place called the right hand of God, all right, which is where God wants to take you into. Uh, but he wants you to go through things with people so that you understand forgiveness, you understand getting yourself all right, out of a competitive place and, and you go through those labor pains so you can give birth, all right, to something that is brand new and increase the economy of the kingdom of God, not struggle for the existing cake, but you expand it, all right, to another level and follow that pattern throughout your entire life, which means... You, you become what is called a forerunner. So you can enter into places nobody else has entered into, break the walls down, others come into it, then you move again. Because once people come into it, then people get competitive. All right? I mean, they asked, and I understood what he was saying. They asked Jeff, Bezos, um, Amazon, um, he, he said, look, you can operate in business in two ways. He said, you can compete and you can be creative. He said, People that are competitive, it works. He says, so what they do is they just wait to see what everybody's doing and they go after it. And they compete, all right, on it. Because if you look at Rick Joyner, when he was talking about spiritual warfare, he said he, said he had a vision. God showed him how the warfare was going on. This is what he said. He said the Christians that were at the bottom were struggling. He said, and what caused the struggle? He said, the demons were firing arrows and it was hitting them. And they thought... It was other Christians beside, behind them doing it. So they would take out the arrow and put it in to somebody. He said, once that happened, they all, as one is going up that, he said the people that got out of that kept their eyes on a light above. And even when people were putting the arrows, they didn't take it out of themselves. They were just looking at that light and then they started rising. So if you allow what people are doing to affect you, then you stay down at that level, right? But if what they are doing, they are doing that, then you just keep praying and say, well, I give up that space, I give up this space. And that's what Jesus was saying. He said, if they take your right, he said, give the cloak also. If they take this, he said, release it, all right? He said, but what now will I have? He said, just keep coming, all right? And then he starts giving you things inside your mind that nobody else, all right, does. And then you get into that space, people will come in, and then you keep moving, and you keep moving, and you get into the creative plane there, right? Because you are working with goodwill inside your heart. So it's important.
okay, that you have that, keep that, because that's what's blocking, that's why Jesus said, and in Nigeria, you know, people don't believe in, the, the, the larger part of the body of Christ actually doesn't believe in forgiving people. They believe in cursing out their enemies, okay? I mean, I'm telling you that people believe that their enemies must die. They believe that. That if you offend them in the office, you must pay for what you did. If there's a promotion exercise and you skip them, in fact, a chap told me, said, they don't know the church I go to. If they knew the church I go to, they would not have dropped my name from that promotion exercise. Ha! I said, what's going on here? It's almost like we are going to deal with, you know, and, and, and let me tell you what, I mean, I read a book once where people are talking about spiritual warfare, and so this man who actually had a revelation of warfare, he said something, he said, look, he said he understands people that fight spiritual, fight the doctrine of spiritual warfare that is not scriptural. And that it's because they believe, and I got what he was saying, that the people who teach warfare are coming from a place of animism. Now, animism is when you talk about the realm of the spirit, which is, so, so for example, a person already was exposed to occultic practices, or when he was growing up, you know, the parents of that person took them to go and meet people. They said, we have enemies, we have enemies, we have enemies. So they gave them things to fight the enemies. Now, that person now gets born again, and he, you now say spiritual warfare. What he's just saying is a modified form of the warfare he used to fight before, which means we're not going to meet a herbalist now to collect. We are now collecting scriptures, so to speak, to fire arrows at our enemies. So he said the people who are emphasizing this warfare, they've checked the background that is coming from animism. It's not coming from the finished work of Jesus in the sense when the Father said, sit until I make your enemies your footstool which means it's not stemming out of a revelation of what Jesus did, all right? That if you listen to them, they have no revelation of their righteousness in God. They just have a revelation of a fact so-called that they want to end themselves in warfare. And that's why, all right? Because if you're coming from the standpoint of the blood, then you will understand what he says in Romans chapter 12, that last verse. He said, you overcome. Put Romans 12, the last verse. He said, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Now, go to verse 17, and he'll tell you what he's talking about here. All right? Recompense no man evil for evil. In other words, you don't use more evil to overcome evil. You use doing good to overcome what? Evil. So if you're recompensing a man evil for evil, then you're trying to use evil to overcome evil. He says, provide things honest in the sight of men. Now, verse 18, he said, after he went on and said, if your brother, therefore, if, if at one life possible, live peaceably with all men. And then he says, verse 19, he says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. All right? Rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So you don't have to avenge yourself, therefore, if your enemy be hungry, feed. Now, he says, so the way you overcome, all right, evil here, which means if somebody is projecting negativity to you, you are in an office, and somebody's projecting negativity, and you also now develop an attitude towards that person because of that person's attitude towards you, and you now also are going around and saying that this person, oh, I don't mind this type, then you have been overcome by that evil, and you've allowed the witchcraft to affect your life, okay? But how then do you say that, right? Somebody comes out and tells you, do you know I heard that this person said all this stuff about you? And your reply, 
was that, yeah, I heard that, but I find it difficult to believe all that concerning him because the way I see this person, he's like this, he's like this, these are his qualities, and those are his qualities. Whoever is spreading that thing just keeps quiet. You are using good, all right, to overcome evil. Then you go to God and you ask God, vengeance is yours, all right, deal with this situation the way you see fit to deal with it. But as for me, this is going to be my own attitude towards that person. Once you get into bitterness, then you have been overcome, all right, by that particular, all right, evil that that person has done. So stay free inside your heart of it, all right, have that goodwill, and that's the real exercise, okay, okay, of, 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 of hearkening and obedience to God and, and your worship of God. Keep your heart towards people in a good state towards them, regardless of what all right, they are doing towards you. Keep it in a good state. And once it's in a good state, eventually, right, God is going to uh, bless you. And he will do it in a way that, that, that I mean, a minister in this culture, I knew what he was talking about, had been vilified by people many years ago. This must have been 15 years ago. And ostracized. And he was saying the story. I heard the story. And he said, finally, when he was going to meet with these people who had ostracized him, he was at a particular meeting, and I knew the meeting. And he said, he greeted them and everything and sat down. And then something happened. And then the person who did that conferred on him. He went in there as the youngest and the smallest minister. But the honor that was conferred on him at the end of that meeting was the highest. And this was somebody that everybody respected. I mean, the person who conferred the honor. So publicly saying, it was almost like God was just saying, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased, and that's the end of the matter. All right? Now, so God worked out that situation the way he was going to work out the situation, not the way you think, all right, that particular situation can go. I mean, I've said this story before. A lady was working in an oil company in this country. She was skipped in promotion, all right. Her juniors were placed over her. And when God vindicated and stepped in, it's not in any way you are thinking. Uganda discovered oil, and suddenly they needed somebody in Uganda, and the company was in France. The vice president there called her personally and said, we need an African to help us head our legal unit in Uganda. We don't want to send, all right, a white person for certain political reasons. We, could you please go and head. They took her from that desk and she became the head, all right, of the entire thing in Uganda. She was addressing Uganda Senate two weeks and she looked at herself and said, and said, I was struggling to get promotion from desk A to desk B. Look, so what God has on his mind is not what you are thinking. All right, you curse the man on desk A, fine, but you miss out on where God is taking to. Then from there, she didn't spend three years there. They said, look, come and head something, all right, in Paris. And now she's living in France with her husband there. All right, I see them sometimes when I travel and doing massive things. The people that are on that desk are still in the desk in Lagos that were promoted above her. They are still on the desk there in Lagos. She was a fraction from resigning in anger. Just her husband was a pastor and said, calm down. Just hold it and let's wait for God. 
all right? And you let go of the thing and pray for the people and continue because God is, you see, what you have to believe about your life is that God is there. Are you, are you from saying God is there and God saw it happen? Are you, you understand? In fact, one scripture says, it says, when it says, man shall not live by bed alone, he said, I allowed you to go through these things and suffered you to, cost you to hunger, that, that I might know what is in your heart. The literal translation says, that I might know how you will respond to things when they happen. Whether you will obey my law or whether you will do it your own way. He says that you might know that man does not live by bread alone by every word. Which means when you get into a situation, you recognize God is there and ask God, how do I respond to this? He says that is what it means that man by every word. I will give you my word for that situation. And when you do what you see in the word of God, he says, in this, I'm bringing you into a land that flows with milk and honey. So, a lot of times Christians have gotten into places and gotten angry, all right? And that's what has destroyed what God really wants to do and, and what he's trying to build. Just go to him and ask him, all right? You are here, no doubt. You saw this thing happen with your Korojua is God. So, there must be something inside this I am not seeing. Get there and worship him and recognize his presence. Then ask him, how do I respond according to your word to this? Because in all research that has been done, it is how people respond to things that is the ultimate determining factor of their destiny and how they will turn out in life. It is not what you planned but how you respond to what happens to you that ultimately fashions, all right, what will happen. Which means you can plan what you want to plan, but it's how you respond to what happens, which means somebody said or did something, how do I respond to this particular thing? Ultimately, is what determines, all right, what will be the eventual outcome in the lives of people. And we'll be tested, and, and, and we've got to respond correctly, and when we respond correctly, then we put ourselves in a position where God himself can bless us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. By the power of the Spirit, I ask that you establish us in this truth, allow it to take root in our consciousness and spread into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
book of John chapter John chapter 7 and um, verse 37 or from verse all right 37 it says and in the last day of that great feast or in the last day that great day of the feast uh, Jesus stood and cried saying if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink. And he said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried aloud, saying, If any man thirst, let him come on to me and drink. And that he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his own belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he says, this he spake of the spirit, that is, let him come unto me and drink of the spirit. And the resultant effect of that is out of their own bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Now, now, before I go into what I want to say, I just want to um, make sure we get something right in our thinking. If we go to Acts chapter 4, it tells us about, um, uh, from verse 15, it says, but when they were commanded, or when they had commanded them to go out, aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do to this man, for that indeed a notable miracle had been done. And then in verse 17, that it spread no further among the people, let's threaten them, that they speak henceforth, all right, to no man in his name. And they called them and commanded them to speak, not to speak, or to teach in the name of Jesus. And then the Bible tells us in verse 21, for so when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding nothing, how they might punish them. And the scripture says in verse 23, and being let go, so the men let them go. And now being let go, they quickly went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art in heaven. And then they prayed. And in verse 29, they said, Behold their threatenings, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word. And then what happens is, by the stretching forth of thy hand to heal, signs and wonders may be done in the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken 
where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to, and they spoke the word with all boldness. So it tells us here that they went back to their company having been threatened. And they were in a situation where they were thirsty. Now I just quoted the scripture to make us understand that even though in John chapter 7, there in verse 37, it refers to the fact that this he spoke of the Holy Ghost that was not yet given, all right, doesn't mean that what he was referring to was the one-time experience of getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. But he was talking about an experience of the continuous infilling of the Spirit that is described in Acts chapter 4 because these men were once baptized in the Holy Ghost in the day of, on the day of Pentecost, we know that. But then they had the experience of continuing being filled with the Spirit, right, when they were thirsty. In other words, when you are thirsty means you long to see the demonstration of God's power in a situation. And it says, when you are thirsty, that's what it means, which means you long to see my power come up unto me and drink of my spirit. The resultant effect is that out of your belly will flow, all right, what you have drank from me. So you drink, all right, from me, and it enters into your belly, and then from your own belly, it now goes out as rivers of living water, and what you're going to have is a demonstration of the Spirit that you were filled with when you came to drink. So you come to drink of him. And that's all the same thing Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 19. If put up, he said, I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers, and you can say, and the infilling of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In other words, the supply of the Spirit means the drinking in of the Holy Ghost for that particular situation where there is a demonstration of the Spirit in that particular situation. So if you are thirsty, then you are deliberately going to God, all right, to drink, to quench that particular thirst. In other words, what was raised up at that particular time, you need an entrance of the Spirit to meet that particular need. And when you are filled with the Spirit, you are satisfied on the inside before there is even a demonstration. In other words, if you are thirsty and you are tired, and then you drink water, there is a refreshing feeling you get, and you are energized. Now you can continue the journey, but it's because you got filled with water. Which means when you got filled with water, something happened on the inside, and that's what happens when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, 
and then you can now speak with all boldness, which means all the timidity and the fear disappeared, all right, and the, the effect of their threat was gone because they received a deliberate supply of the Spirit of Jesus for that particular thing, right? And so we said the theme for the rest of the year is finishing 2019 strong, which is in the strength of, the, of God, uh, and that has to be by the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so there are specific things that, all right, you want a demonstration of the Spirit of God in, in your life. And we're saying in very specific terms, you go to God, and if you want healing in your toe, then you are asking for a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, all right, for the healing. And I'm not sure what will happen. Healing, all right, of that particular toe, which is different from three years ago when you had an intense headache and you needed to get healed of it, all right, and you prayed to God and there was an, well, maybe you didn't know, but there was an infilling of the Spirit for the purpose of healing all right, you of that particular thing. So anytime you're thirsty, it says you can come up to me and drink. And we said that there were three major feasts in the nation of Israel in one year. And the three of them, all right, and they have their spiritual parallel, right? It tells us in Exodus 23 and verse 14, I believe we can start from verse 14, about, it says three times, shall you keep a feast unto me in a year. I, I personally believe, all right, we have that part. And it says, thou shalt keep the feast of the unleavened bread. Now, as on says, well, this is Old Testament and all of that. Now, it was the feast of the unleavened bread, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17, I believe, where it talks about us keeping this feast here. So it tells us in 1 Corinthians, put it up here, that Christ our Passover. So the first feast was what was called the feast, all right, of the Passover there. Okay? Now, this all right. Okay, yeah. It's, it's chapter 5, sorry. All right, it says, Purge out the old leaven, that it may be, all right, a new lump, as you are unleavened, for Christ, now keep, go back there, it says, verse 7, for Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Then verse 8, it says, therefore, let us keep the feast. So there is a New Testament instruction to keep that particular feast. Now, that feast there, right, was a feast of the Passover, and they celebrated it every year. And in that feast there, what happened was, the day the lamb was sacrificed and the blood was placed upon the doorpost, the angel of death, all right, passed over when he saw the blood. And it was at the same time, same date, right, that Jesus, in that calendar, Jesus was crucified as our Passover. And he says, let us also keep this feast with the unleavened bread, put it there. And he says, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. In other words, uh, when we keep this feast, it, it is when you exercise yourself uh, to make sure that your heart is void 
of any inf um, ill feeling, all right, or ill will towards another person, uh, that there is that complete forgiveness in your heart, in your spirit there. There is no bitterness, there is no anger towards another person. Uh, and so when you stand praying, you keep that fist. When you forgive uh, and you let go and you pray, all right, for all the people, and you use good, and the Bible says we have passed from death to life. That's that Passover because we love the brethren. Because we have nothing inside our heart, all right, towards another person, all right. Even if they've done us wrong, we have overcome that. And, and in Romans chapter 12, the last verse, it says, overcome evil with good. Okay, it talks about overcoming evil there with good. So that was the feast of Passover. Then 50 days after that, it talked about the feast of Pentecost, which was when they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, or, right, that was the spiritual power here, as the first fruits of what was to come, which was the first installment, that is, you got baptized. So this was going to be, I mean, if I want to buy a car, and I pay a first installment for that car, Right, it means that I'm going to bring more installments until it is finally paid, all right, off. And so it was the baptism, and that means that you are going to experience that thing continuously until there is the fulfillment or the redemption of the purchased possession, which means that everything that God has bought for you in Christ, all right, you have taken possession of it. That was the first installment, and then it continues, right? In their own time there, they gave their first fruits unto God of their labor, which means that God, all right, they walked on the earth, and then they gave the first fruits, and then God now stepped in, and their bands, all right, came, and that was what brought the third feast, which was the feast of ingathering, or what is called, all right, the great harvest. Now, it was that feast that Jesus was speaking about when he said, the celebration of this feast for you will mean, if any man thirst, let him come up to me and drink. Now, that's what happened in Acts chapter 4, right? And out of their belly, which means they drank of the Spirit, and then they released the Spirit when they spoke the word with all boldness. So rivers of living water came out. You can read Acts 4 to Acts 5 you'll see that rivers started flowing on the streets of Jerusalem. There was a major demonstration of the Spirit, all right, in, all right, Jerusalem there. So here is the pattern that God wants for us. Uh, we need to step into this third phase. We're talking about that, that when you get into any situation, you come up to God and drink. I mean, if Pastor Friend told me, listen to the message on Sunday, and he said, you know, I, and I'm going to say something, I know it's strong, he said, you know, I've just never seen that third feast the way you shared it. And I said, the real problem is that, all right, ministers, I ain't going to teach that third feast. Now, the reason why we ain't teaching the third feast is that we don't know how to pastor people who are experiencing the third feast. Because if out of the belly of everybody is flowing rivers of living water, then what, then again, is the essence of our ministry? Because if people have discovered how rivers can flow out of them, 
and rivers are flowing out of the belly of everybody, then how do we pastor people, all right, who are getting filled by the Holy Ghost and rivers are flowing out? And because we've not changed the architecture, right, of ministry, we're capacity to handle it. So what happens is the actual fact of the matter is that members of the congregation actually have been indoctrinated, right? So maybe we didn't do it deliberately. We didn't do it in ministry. I'm talking about the whole of ministry now, global now, all right, to make themselves have a sense of being inferior. And it is easier to lead weak people than strong people. All right, because when you can manage people that are weak, when people feel they are inadequate, they are easy, all right, to lead and to manage than to have people that are strong. So we've never been able to conceive, all right, what ministry will really be if rivers are flowing out. Now, the truth about the matter is, right, I mean, it's the truth. If you say, all right, the value of anything is the price that was paid for it, that's the value of something, in other words, if I buy something with 10 million, that is the value. And if I buy 25 things with the same 10 million, then the value of those 25 things is the same. So if it's the blood that bought every single soul, the value of every single soul is the same. So the pastor is not more valuable than any member of the congregation in the eyes of God. The same value that he has placed on them. All right? Now, Okay? You always say, well, we should honor. Yes. But same value in terms of you bought you with the same price, right? And so the thinking is nobody can even come to the point where they can even conceive. I mean, you see, you could see what Peter and John did. They went back to their company. It was the church that prayed together. I mean, they threatened them. They went back to the people. The people prayed together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and then, all right, rivers, all right, began, okay, to flow out of their own belly. And then they said, listen, they started speaking the word of God with all boldness. Uh, that's what happened. And, and, and massive things began to happen. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 18, it talks about if any man is thirsty, I will open up rivers, all right? Uh, start from verse 17. It says this, it talks about when the poor and needy seek water and there's none and their tongue, this is what he was talking about, faileth for thirst, I the Lord will hear them, that's in prayer, and I will not forsake them, verse 18, I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys and I'll make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry ground springs of water. So he expects that we come up, all right, and, right, we drink of him, and that's a celebration there of the last and great feast. What is important, that if you're going to get to this last and great feast here, then, and that's the feast of in gathering, then you must keep the two feasts before that. Uh, the first one deals with making sure that inside your heart, Right? There is no, and Satan knows that if I can get you here, then I can stop everything. If the feast is a feast of ingathering, that's why Jesus said, judge not and you won't be judged. Condemn not, you won't be condemned. Forgive, which is that Passover, and you shall be forgiven. Then he said, give, and then he said, and it shall be given back unto you. Press down, shaking together and running over. So shall men give into your bosom. So it's an ingathering that comes in the third feast 
which is men, people are responding to you, sons of strangers, kings, all right, things are gathering, everything is gathering onto you there. But you've got to forgive, to forgive means before. That's why it says if you place your gift on the altar and you haven't forgiven, right, it says there is really, all right, no value in that thing you placed on the altar. So the first, first sacrifice before the almighty God, all right, that he takes from the Christian as an act of worship is to recognize his lordship. It tells us the blood of Abel spoke. It says that God is speaking, all right, from heaven. It says we should hear the blood, the voice of the blood that speaketh better things than the blood, all right, the blood of Jesus that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. So Babel's blood cried for vengeance. Jesus' blood is speaking into our hearts for mercy. He's saying that, do good unto them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. He says he's speaking that. That's his voice there telling us. That's why the Bible says they overcame him first by the blood. That's the starting point. And that blood speaks inside the heart and tells you that, right, you should respond, all right, to people, all right, in a certain way. Uh, and it speaks about that forgiveness on the inside. And then you, you, you do that by the grace of God, and you get into this third phase that gets into what it calls the in-gathering. So this feast is about people being taught, and they understand that if we're thirsty, we come together and we drink, and then out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. Uh, uh, um, 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 Moses dreamt of that day in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 29. Right? Some people were prophesying. And, and, and Moses said, woe to God that all. They came to meet him and said, stop this fool from prophesying. And he said, envious thou for my sake, woe to God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord will put his spirit upon them. In other words, Moses said, if all the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord put his spirit upon them, the burden of ministry will be gone. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.